everyone, and welcome to Geek Rant, episode 228, recorded February 21st, 2016, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the show where we let our geek flag fly. I'm your host, Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockerel, and joining me this week is the one, the only, the inimitable Seth, the Gooey Kid Anderson. Hello, Seth. Hello, Mark, and welcome to all of the many listeners of our awesomely titled podcast that you didn't mention. <laughs> oh, I totally skipped that, didn't I? Awesome. You did. It's even better because now it's a mystery. Not only did I not mention the title in the intro, but we're not mentioning why it's the title. So people are now going back because they hadn't paid any attention. It just came up in their podcast layer. Now they're going back and looking at the title, and, and it makes no sense. It's beautiful. <laughs> Uh, Yay, Chris we're driving is, stuff. Chris is not with us this week. He is a bit under the weather, as it seems the whole world is this week. Everybody I know in multiple states uh, is either ill or knows somebody who is ill. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure what's going on, but uh, everybody stay away from me. Yeah, church was awful Spartan last week. A lot of the regulars weren't here because portions of the family were sick. So it, it seems to be moving out of our area, having made its rounds and some people are still at home recovering, but. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what weather changes, whatever. Everybody always has some explanation, but, uh, it it does seem to travel in packs like that. Yeah. Well, a, a friend of mine has a daughter in elementary school and he said they barely made the minimum, uh, percentage there to have school they almost had to cancel because so many people were sick you know state sets the minimum people of men that have to show up and they almost didn't make it yeah i don't know what the rules are uh here in georgia but uh, you know I, i'm fairly intimate with them in texas and uh it's all attendance based right uh, right how much money you get from the state is based on how many students are there they, there's x per, uh, amount of dollars per student uh, and that determines everything in your average uh, attendance, ADA. And then there's something called weighted average daily attendance, WADA or WADA, as it's referred to. And if you get under a certain point, the state literally says it's not worth paying you for the day. And if the state's not paying you, this, the district is going to close because what's the point of them, you know, doing anything? So, right. That happens. Um, also, the. A lot of utility companies can call up and say, hey, it's a cold day today. A lot of people are using the gas. We don't have enough to go around. You need to shut down. And so, so schools will do that. I don't know if that works elsewhere, but in Texas, that's a thing. Hmm. I don't know that that's ever happened, though. I, I don't recall having ever been impacted because the utility company said, please don't go into school. I've I've. I've known several times for that. Maybe you didn't know. Maybe you just thought it was a, a, a some other thing. But uh, it, it's a... Maybe it's just a rural thing, but, uh, you know, it's part of their contract, part of their pricing deal is that if we, if we get constrained, we can tell you to shut down because you're a large entity. And in many cases, the school is the largest entity in the town, in a small town. Right. So, uh, anyway, I don't know where that came from. Just, uh, I spent 15 years in that world every now and then I like to talk about it. So we're bringing back, um, what was the education show? Uh, well, there was, it was first the tight one teacher and then it became edu matters and then it died. Oh, so, well. Yeah. Rebranding uh, doesn't always kill a show, I hope. We're man, we're 28. What, I don't remember what, what the first one here was, but we're a few, we're a few shows in 10 or 12, something like that. Um, so we're, we're not dead yet. But uh, the last two shows I've changed the name of died shortly thereafter. 
do when you put it like that maybe we should go back to everyday <laughs> linux <laughs> but you know it's a oftentimes rebranding is a last ditch effort uh you know you see that in in lots of things uh you know right. tv shows they'll you know quick the sitcom isn't funny anymore bring in a kid um so right in, in our case it was a a decision that we made and spent months on so i think we're okay i hope we're okay me too uh okay so this was supposed to be a feedback show about financial february but you guys failed us by not providing any feedback none not one email none so this show is no longer a feedback show about financial february <laughs> maybe maybe your silence speaks volumes i don't know but we just did such a good miles did such a good job of explaining bitcoin last week that all the emails people were prepping to send they're like nope he answered it yeah, we're good now <laughs> that could very well be it um, but I do want to say, Seth is, if you haven't gone and checked it out yet, uh, over at elementop.com, Seth has made a forum link, uh, called Seth's Bitcoin referral list. And he misspelled referral, by the way. Um, <clears throat> it's one F, two R's. Ah, yes, you're yes. right. Um, I, I, the doublings get me too. I always end up, you know, T double E double R double I double F double I double C C C. Um, please tell me I, I you got even... that reference. No, I was like, what no? the? Oh, no. Charlotte's Web, The Goose. Oh, dude. I mean, that was third grade. That book was read to us in class. So that's, <laughs> that's no I don't excuse, have kids Seth. that age. So, <laughs> well, that's, it's the cartoon. It, it, the, the, the goose always doubled it anyway. Well, somebody oh. out there got that. And for okay. you, that joke was just for you, whoever that person was. <laughs> But anyway, I've been going down uh, Seth's uh, referral list and, and checking things out, um, you know, often before he's had a chance to come back. So he's he puts some stuff up there and he's been updating it as he finds things out. And so um, <clears throat> he spoke rather glowingly initially about a site called Bitcoins.Work off the air. Uh, uh, we, he didn't want to make a recommendation to the audience until he was sure about it. So it was just the two of Two of us talking uh, about bitcoins.work. And, uh, you know, the idea there is a, it's an, a Bitcoin investment where you can double your investment in four days. Uh, sounds too good to be true. It is too good to be true. Uh, we both sort of intellectually knew it was too good to be true. Uh, but Seth had been, you know, generating money uh, artificially anyway at Bitcoin faucets. It was no loss for him. And uh, I, I bought some Bitcoin specifically, specifically for the purpose of experimenting with them. So we both put some money in, and he got he got his uh, investment doubled twice. Was it Seth? No, um, I put two separate investments. Okay, and between the two of them, I got back just almost the exact amount I put in, and then I went and bought some Bitcoin, and then I was going to go on to another site with that money, but I thought I got greedy and said, "Let me double it here first. and I got six percent of that back. So. And it was one of those things I, I used a website that you can purchase, uh, bitcoins through PayPal. And so my $50 worth of PayPal bought me $35 worth of Bitcoin. And, um, I got 6% of that back. So my $50 became like five bucks. Now, and, uh, in my case, I made two separate investments, uh, one of 0.1 bitcoins and one of 0.01 bitcoins which at the time together was somewhere around 60 bucks. Uh, and I got back uh, a total of zero uh, for that. So they essentially took $60 from me. Um, 
and 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 then I just started to do some research after I lost my money. Um, and and uh, Bitcoin's dot work is a classic Ponzi scheme. Uh, Charles Ponzi uh, was 30s, I think. Uh, yeah, 20s, according to Wikipedia, 1920s. Um, <clears throat> He had this brilliant idea of buying some buying stamps from another country. Can't remember the exact details, but he was going to buy stamps from another country, resell them, uh, and take advantage of the exchange rate in the U.S. And so he gathered a lot of money for this investment, um, and then realized I don't actually have to buy anything. So what I'll do is I'll get more investors, and I'll take the money that these investors gave me, and I'll pay back dividends to these new investors with the with the money I gave. And so that's that's what a Ponzi scheme is. As more people put money in, you take that money to pay back the the early rounders. And if you get in an early on a Ponzi scheme, you can make a hundred, two hundred, a thousand percent of your investment. It's brilliant. It's the best thing ever if you get in early. But eventually the Ponzi scheme uh, crumbles on itself and you have uh, not enough money to pay out. And so you either take the money and run or declare bankruptcy. And so as you're reading the bitcoins.work fact, uh, uh, one of the things that it says is it's, you know, how does the, how does it happen? And it says, um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I don't have it up in front of me, but something to the effect of people ask for money and other people give it. So they're admitting right there on their website that they're a Ponzi scheme. That's how it happens. You go in and ask for money by making a, uh, an investment, uh, air quotes on both of those. And then other people give it by give it air quotes by making an investment air quotes, uh, <laughs> in the system. <clears throat> And so the last thing, the last money they paid out was December, uh, February 12th. Today is February 24th. So nine days ago, excuse me, 21st, nine days ago, they paid out something. But people have been steadily putting money in since then. And so at some point they may pay some, something out. They may not. Um, but Seth got, uh, an advancement there. He was in the round where somebody got some money. I came in literally a day or two after him and didn't get anything. And see, the weird thing was, is I was going to talk about this on the next show because I went to the website one day and it didn't come up. And then I, there was this forum that he was uh, posting in and he posted on there that the site was closed. And so I thought, well, you know, okay, I lost some money. I'll talk to the guys. And then I get this email from Mark saying, Hey, I didn't get any money back. And I go back and the site was back up again. So you know, I was like, oh, well, I can't get to the site. So because I had, you know, I texted Mark, hey, I'm making, I think I was making 21 cents an hour um, off of was the Bitcoin conversion rate at the time. And I thought, well, there's no need to tell him because I can't get to the site because it's dead. And then lo and behold, it's back up. Um, and my investments are still there, still having yep. not paid out. And, uh, you know, but other people's show they're getting paid out. So I don't know if other people are getting paid or if they've just changed and said people are getting well paid. on the on the front of the page there um you can see the the entire first page let's see let me click the second page now the entire second page uh halfway down the second page before anybody shows any money coming out and the other people that say completed um they say was on on the the 16th right february 16th but if you go up at the very top there's a last 10 payments. You click on one of those and those last 10 payments were from February 12th and they've been there since that date. Mm. So they're not actually paying anybody out. They're just declaring that they did. My One of mine, it says they paid me back 200%. So allegedly they doubled my money. I've got nothing. So they didn't actually pay anything. They just marked it as paid. Uh, but in turn, but you know, you can, the blockchain can't be fooled. 
you can fool a website. So the, the this last 10 payments here shows the blockchain. And the last one was something called, uh, somebody called Free, Freevert. Uh, and that was on uh, uh, 212, two six, uh, 2016 at 12.03.55 server time. Hmm. So it's a uh, it's a total scam in every way that it can be a scam. They're they're they tell you up front that we're a scam. You just have to know the words, uh, and then they're scamming their own website by by making uh, by saying things are paid out when they're not. <clears throat> so I'm here on their frequently asked question page. Two number uh, second item: how are profits gen- uh, how profits get generated. At bitcoins.work, you don't have to make contacts or pledge your property. There are no lenders and no debtors. Everything is actually real simple. One participant asks for help, another one helps. All profits are generated by new investments. So that's that last line there is the definition of a Ponzi scheme. All profits are generated by new investments. So the only way they ever get money is for people to give them money. They're not generating right. anything. They're not investing in anything. There is no, there's no there there. It's just the uh, and even if they pay everybody out right they're making interest on the thing so the even if they're an honest uh middleman which they're not they're they're making out by having a pool of bitcoins that they're trading on as the value rises uh and and gaining interest and that sort of thing but even even at that as shady as that would be they're not even honest with their own rules yeah and you know, like I say, when I was playing with just the money I got from faucet mining, it was no big deal, but I got greedy and stuck in some of my <laughs> own stuff. And then, you know, I, I lost, I lost money on that one, but you know, it was just kind of trial and error, seeing what was happening on the old interwebs. Yeah. And neither of us are really mad at him. Uh, yeah. we kind of knew going in, but we just want to protect you because Seth, uh, you know, he he put he put them out there as a thing and then clearly labeled it, labeled it a scam. But we want to let you know that um, it, you know that's exactly what it is. It is a, it is a classic Ponzi scheme, which are illegal in the U.S. Uh, but this company isn't run out of the U.S. So right, it may be legal where they are. Uh, the next one is uh, the only one I've checked out was a uh, uh, CoinCE. Uh, Coin CE. I, I don't know how you say that. They're um, they are uh, an electric company, essentially, in, in Britain, uh, and they provide clean, uh, high-capacity energy to Bitcoin miners because that's a thing that you need. As you're doing that proof of work that Miles expounded on so uh, eloquently last week, you, it requires six, some significant hardware. And these people have sort of carved a niche out in uh, supplying hardware to Bitcoin miners. Um, it's It's a... It's an investment. It's an actual investment in their services. Um, it looks on the up and up. Seth says he's gotten some money back. I haven't given them given them any money yet, and here's why I haven't given them any money yet. Uh, I signed up for an account, and they sent me back a confirmation that said your account has been created. And in the confirmation, they passed my login and password in plain text in email. Any company that's going to do that, I have serious reservations about. They may be legitimate, but they're incompetent security wise right so that's all i'm going to say about that what what was your experience with them no um i get 
money out on a, um, they post their, your accrual once a day. And because I've been burned on the other ones, I pretty much take my money out once a day. Um, so you've been you letting know, the initial investment ride and pulling out the the profits, right? Well, because you can't get the initial investment out. It's um, over. I don't remember how long it was, but um, my basically thirty five dollars generates seventy cents a day. So, yeah, I think it was four months. Uh, Something like that. Uh, um, yeah, I think so. And I've got like a hundred days left or something. So I'll total, um, like I say, my investment was thirty four ninety five, and I have withdrawn $4 and 64 cents. And I have an account balance of 75 cents because I haven't taken that out yet. Yeah. So, uh, it looks like the, I'm looking here, the, the, if you invest today, February 22nd, because they're across the international day line, uh, you, the contract will expire May 22nd. So they're saying a 30 day, uh, on, on that one. Well, three months, a February, March, April. I'm sorry. Yeah. 90 day. <laughs> I, I was thinking 30, I said 90. So yeah, it's uh so it's 90 days. Um, and they're saying, let's see if I put in a hundred dollars us right now, what are they saying? I'll get back a hundred dollars us, uh, investment day today. They've got a calculator right on the front page. Uh, they say I'll get 2% daily, 14% weekly, 60% over a uh, monthly, so 180% total. So I'll make all my money back plus 80% over three months. That's a that's a significant investment. You're not going to get that anywhere on Wall Street. Um, so they must be generating profit somewhere. So they're probably in the mining as well. But it says in their fact that none of their their shares here come from mining, that it only comes from the sales of their product. But they may be using the mining to you know, bolster their own company, which is how they can afford to do that. Right. But I would, you know, I would question how long that can last. How long can you pay people 180% and still make enough money to, to survive? Yeah. Um, you know, in, well, I, again, I know I have, uh, I actually, I pulled up my investments and I made, uh, I made an investment on the 11th of $15 and an investment on the 15th of just under 20. So the 15 one has 79 days and the 15, the 11th one has 79 days and the 15th has 83 days left. So looking at my investments on those. So, and yeah, I, I kind of would like to let the money build up, but at the same token, if it's going to be gone tomorrow, I want to make sure I get my money today. As much of it as possible. Exactly. Right. And you know, this, this is investment, right? And, and, I need to make make clear to you that we're not recommending either of these places, certainly not bitcoins.work, right. uh, but we're not recommending these as investments. We're just telling you what we know. Um, and 180% over 90 days uh, is suspicious, but not, not to the point of being automatic, automatically considered criminal. There are things that do that, but they're short-lived. Uh, right. and, and, you know, I, I wouldn't count on riding that gravy train. Don't put your investment in there, Put a spare 50 bucks that you were, would have spent on a pizza otherwise. Yeah. This is money in, and you know, and, and it's what I said when I invested if, or whenever I did these things, if I lose this money, I mean, Hey, I lost some money and nobody likes losing money, but you know, this isn't what I need to put gas in my car to go to work or, you know, to put food in my belly. So this is money that I kind of wrote it off when I spent it. And if I get any back. I get some back. Yeah. Uh, and so this one appears to be the more legitimate of the two. 
But I questioned their security because they sent me my password in plain text, which means now anybody along the line, any server between uh, them and me has that password in plain text sitting in, you know, their caches ready to be exploded, explored, uh, exploited. That's the word I was looking for. And any man in the middle who happened to be listening. Uh, so somebody could be listening for all mail outgoing from uh, coince.org's um, uh, .com's rather servers and sniffing passwords like crazy. Uh, right. And it would not be illegal for them to do so because they're not encrypted. And it's not illegal to browse that which is publicly broadcasted. It's like if I went out in my yard and started yelling my bank account numbers and passwords and you happened to write them down as I was yelling them, you didn't break any laws. So I, that concerns me about this, and the 180% profit concerns me. But it's an interesting experiment. Yeah, it was. And it is. Like I say, I, I go there and look, and I haven't taken it out today yet, but I'll probably do that when I get home. So have you have you got any other investments, uh, sane or insane, going on at this point? Um, the next one on the list, forexparadise.biz. I do. I have, uh, let me log into that one. I've had this one for a while and this is, again, this is with real money uh, I spent and not just faucet acquired because it would have taken forever to get the minimum, you know, some of those, like the, the bit, um, bitcoins work. And some of the ones we talked about before you can do those with like one, one thousandth of a Bitcoin and you can get that in a few days of faucet mining. But, um, these take like at least 10 bucks or something like that. So you can't, you're not gonna, you're not gonna accumulate that very fast with faucets. And so, so when I click on the link that you supplied in the forum, uh, at the very bottom of there it says your upline is in world domination is the name that you've chosen. So this is you know if 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 you've ever done any Shackley or Amway or or Mary Kay, you know what upline means. Right. So one of the things that they're hoping for people to do is is sell their product for them. So tell us what you know about Forex Paradise, which it says F-O-R-E-X, right? But I hear four times, meaning they're promising a four times investment. Um, what What is, tell me about this site. Okay. Well, um, hold on. I'm signing in now. Okay. They're, they're based out of Hong Kong. So um, at least, you know, it's not going scary by what the least. website says. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, they have their live statistics up front and they say, you know, they have an insurance fund and all that kind of thing. So I, um, if you go there, there are, let me go to deposit and dun, 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 dun. so they have a couple of different plans under a, um, a thing they call their superior plans, which are a one year investment time. And, uh, you get monthly returns from 18% all the way up to 27%. If you have a lot of Bitcoins, like 200 and then their other ones, which is the ones I did were their classic. And these are six months, they say, and you get a daily, uh, return from between 0.8 and 3% if you have like hundreds of Bitcoins to throw at them. And so I'm looking at the sign-up thing now. I'm going to register mm -hmm. for an account. Let's me type in my email. <clears throat> Let's me type my username. I get to pick that. I don't get to pick my password. They pick my password for me. And then I create a passphrase that I apparently they hash together. But then you can change your password once you're 
you know, I haven't tried it because I just kept the one they gave me, but, um, you can go in and change your password. Um, once you're signed up, there is a place to do that. See, I have, again, from, from a security side, why in the world would they ever want to give me a list of six passwords to choose from? And they're weak passwords at that. They're, they're 10 characters, all alphanumeric, lowercase. Uh, any one of these could be brute forced in seconds. Uh, so what's, what's the reason for that? I, I can't come up with one. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I don't have an answer for that. I don't know why they did that. And, but yeah, I, like I say, I haven't chosen mine or I haven't changed mine. This one was weird for me because it took them, a, it took them a while for my deposit to show up. Uh, it took like a couple of days, I think for it to show up and they say it can take up to 48 hours. Um, but, um, after that though, the accruals have happened and the, they put, they post the accrual like 24 hours after your deposit shows up. So that's whenever they show, that's whenever they do it. So it's not like, you know, at some time every day, it's like 24 hours after, um, because I'm on the daily plan after my deposit was in there. All right. I just, another thing to be aware of, uh, Seth is telling you real world results, right? Money is coming in. Um, but I'm pointing out the things that raise my security hackles. And yeah. Let you, me, uh, you decide as the user. Yeah. Let me, uh, let me go through history and I'll tell you because I don't remember how much I put in on these. I deposited. Come on. The one thing I don't like about their site is you have to scroll halfway down the page every time you refresh something. Okay, so I deposited 0.13 bitcoins. So at the time that was like it was about $40, now that would be about 50. And um I deposited that on the 12th and I have 105 re, um remaining accruals on that. And I have I've taken money out of this one as well. So let me go to my uh, withdrawals and come on. Um, so, yeah, I take out roughly one one thousandth of a Bitcoin a day on this one. So I've taken out one, two, three, four, a little over five one thousandths of a Bitcoin. Yeah, and uh, so also another thing I want to point out, currently, as of the recording of this, a Bitcoin is uh, right around $435. Uh, and one week ago when we spoke, it was around 405 So it's gained 9-ish, 8.5% in a week. That If you're a speculator looking for short-term gains, that's good. Uh, if you're looking at a stable currency, that's some of that instability I was talking about. So just following up on all those things that we talked about over the last couple of weeks, um, you know, still my concern is is uh, the stability of the platform. But if you're looking at it as an from as an investment thing, you don't want stability. Stability makes people sell stocks. Uh, you right. want you want growth. Yeah. So it has um, it's gone up from yeah. It was like in the three. 80s i think when i first started my uh faucet collection stuff so it has gone up a good bit since then and you know in the course 
it could go it could go back down tomorrow so if you bought bitcoin today you could have you could lose a lot of money if it goes down you can make a lot of money if it goes up again don't rush out and take out a second mortgage of your house and buy a hundred thousand bitcoins and think you're going to get rich when the price goes up you know because you could very well you know have enough money to buy a cheeseburger tomorrow i don't think it would crash like that but it could all right so uh, that's just uh, some wrap-ups there that I, I wanted to put right at the top of the show because we had spent you know so much time uh talking about opportunities um the my my assessment and that's all this is right now bitcoin is um the latest tool that unscrupulous people have at their disposal um and it has barely moved beyond the world of the unscrupulous people uh not that i'm saying that uh, miles is unscrupulous but he's in the two percent as opposed to the 80 percent of the unscrupulous that's my assessment of it right now um, i'm not saying getting in is bad um, but understand what you're getting in for you're getting in for a commodity type investment that you're hoping for instability but if any kind of world bank is going to grab onto this thing instability is the enemy so those there's two competing things right now what will get people into it is rapid growth by definition instability what will make large entities want to to build their their foundations on it is stability so we're going to have to have a run-up to get people interested but once the right people are interested we're going to have to have a, a level off and i just don't see that happening right now you know i i don't know i mean yes the unscrupulous use bitcoin hey the unscrupulous use cash they use credit cards they use penny stocks this is it is yet another this is a financial tool this is not the financial tool, but it is a financial tool. And for a certain set of um, circumstances, this can be the best financial tool in the box. But you can't, you know, if you're in, if you're in a major metropolitan area, I saw a couple of things on this where people went a certain amount of time living only on Bitcoin. You know, they, they would do jobs for Bitcoin and, you know, buy food and stuff like that and um so you can do things like that but again this is only a financial tool um when credit cards first came out you know not every place took credit cards and um you know if you use them and you don't know what you're doing you run up a huge debt then you're saddled with all that interest if you don't know what you're doing with bitcoin some guy will fleece you um you know if you don't have a strong password on your wallet you know somebody can brute force that but the same thing can be true with your online bank and this is not guaranteed by a federal government it's not fdic insured so kind of use at your own risk but it is a valid tool and for certain situations it can be an extremely useful tool so i don't think it's quite as negative as you painted it out to be well the thing is you said exactly what i said but you said it positive and i said it negative we said the same things um and that's i think that's good for the listener you can you can you know look at it however you want to uh i just want to make sure that we're properly informing people for the good and the bad. I don't want anybody to listen to this show and say, Mark and Seth, we're bullish on Bitcoin. I'm going to go put money into it. I'm not bullish on Bitcoin. I am invested in Bitcoin. So, you know, take that as it, as it, as you will. Don't take that as a, an encouragement for you to do the same, but there's enough there that intrigues me. And I think there's enough potential upside that I have money in it as an investment, not as a, a platform. Um, and so 
Seth thinks it's much more platform ready than I do, but we have the same, we said the same things just with a different slant. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not rushing to put all of my assets in Bitcoin, you know, but I've put a little bit in there and I still go through the faucets to get a little bit more here and a little bit more there. And so, you know, if it, I'm, I'm almost to the point to where I can cash out $10 worth of stuff that I've built up. So. Yeah, and uh, after our discussion last week, after that show released, I did get a donation from F the Banks uh, in Bitcoin. So thank you, Mr. F, uh, for for your donation. Um, and, oh, I get yeah, F and the I, Banks. Uh, he didn't. He, there were four other, uh, three other letters in his. Uh, but uh, you know, it's there. You can do it. You can you can throw Bitcoin at me if you want to. And in fact, I'm using a service right now that had converted it to. A bank money, U.S. American dollars. Uh, I personally believe that U.S. Americans um, was converting it to those and sending it to my bank. I have changed that to now uh, Bitcoin. Uh, but they're they one of the policies of that site is they don't make any disbursements till you have twenty dollars in. So they're holding my money. So what I think I'm going to do is I'm just going to put up a QR code of my Bitcoin wallet and say do that because save the middleman and and whatever. But in, in, anyway. I just want to thank Mr. F for his donation of, I think it was about four ninety five worth of bitcoins. Uh, so thank you, thank you, Mr. F. I appreciate it. <laughs> Way to go, Mr. F. You rule. F F T B. I guess that's it. Um, I do want to throw one non bitcoin uh, thing in there. Uh, we're late to the game on this. I fully admit it, but it may be valuable for you and your family. My entire family, from the seven year old. Uh, up to the wife, including me, have totally gotten into The Flash, the CW television show that's now in its second season. Um, it's on Netflix, and we started watching it, and we have, uh, I have been having to keep the kids down to just two episodes a day because they want to binge watch it and watch them all. But I know that only season one is, is on, on there, and they're so into it. So we finished actually season one just today, and it's probably, one of two shows that the whole family gathers around the TV and makes an appointment to be together for. That is so rare in my life and probably is in your life. Um, and it's well-written. Uh, it is it is sci-fi, uh, but there's enough to it that my wife, who isn't really into sci-fi, is into it. And um, there's the story, the characters make you care about them. There, There is violence, there is danger, but not so much that a protective parent that I am, and anybody who's listening to this show knows uh, that I'm a very protective parent, I'm fine with letting my seven-year-old watch it. There were a couple of times when I have to say, don't look, don't look. But literally a couple in the 23 episodes of the first season, I, maybe five times total, I had to do that. Um, and so they handle the violence and they handle the danger in a, in a tasteful way. Uh, so I'm bullish on the flash. I know there, I think they're 14 episodes into the second season right now. We've set the DVR to start recording the rest of the season. Uh, and you know, as the reruns play, we'll catch those and we'll be able to catch up on season two once they come to Netflix. Um, Although I hear allegedly that one might be able to torrent them all, um, I, I, my, I myself would never do <laughs> such a thing and talk to you about it on a podcast. So uh, anyway, just throw it out there. The Flash, CW. I never, I didn't care anything about it. Uh, just the fact that it was on the CW made me not care about it. But out of curiosity, one day I sat down to watch it, and not only did I get hooked, my whole family did. Yeah, I, uh, I was really 
I watched it for a while and then like I, I missed an episode and that was all she wrote for me, but it was really good. Well, you can go catch up on Netflix. I can. I yeah. I might. And so uh, like unto it is it's the Flash was actually a spinoff of Arrow. Mm-hmm. Um and I started watching I I'm about four or five episodes into the Arrow and I'm not sure I care enough about it to keep it's going. It's a little darker. Much darker. Um, yeah. yeah. I, it's not one that I'll let my kids watch. Um but it's just it's not the same. It, it's interesting this in this case the spin-off seems to be better than the original by a good margin. It, it may be that it took the original a couple of years to get there and maybe the reason the spin-off is better because it had the benefit of the original. I just haven't given the the legs to to know that yet. Yeah, they the Arrow I think was the first the first one they did and you know it's been going for a while. So it, it was really kind of one of the first of uh the superhero shows on tv so they were kind of how do we do this and even you know predated agents of shield and uh, you know supergirl and any of the other ones that are out there so you know they kind of work the kinks out so yeah i don't know uh i don't know that the first season is a good judge of like the whole series right so but I wouldn't say jump to season two because, you know, you uh, you miss the setups and then you don't understand what's going on and then it's no fun to watch. So I, I am enjoying the second rate DC versions of second rate Marvel superheroes. Uh, like there's a billionaire who has a mechanical suit. He's called the Atom um, and his suit's not made out of iron. There's uh, a villain who can turn himself into something that looks a lot like sand but isn't sand and he's not called the sandman he's called the sand demon uh and you know and i just it's funny to me that dc has to pay homage to these these things are out there and of course dc and marvel have been for what 70 years now have been having that battle of characters that are pretty much identical you know um and even in the dc universe right uh uh uh, what's the difference between uh early batman or early punisher and early um daredevil Nothing. They're guys who dress in leather and beat people up. They, Daredevil was blind. Right. So. <laughs> but you didn't know that. <laughs> I mean, you as, as the guy getting beat up didn't know that. So they right. emerged over time. So that, that's in, you know, in, in Marvel world, there's, you know, there's green air, uh, the green lantern and the yellow lantern and the chartreuse lantern and the, the magenta lantern. So it, it just, it's just comic book. It's the way it is. But it's funny to me that, you know, they have a guy who can burst into flames and fly, but he's not the human torch. He's Firestorm. Um, and then there's, you know. There's, I remember when Firestorm, the nuclear man, came about in the comic book worlds. I was a big Firestorm fan back in the day. Yeah, and then Marvel had a, this character they called Firestorm. She was a chick. And they just totally stole the name. You know, exactly the same thing. Um, and she was she teamed up with uh, Spider-Man for a while. In the, um, and the Iceman. In, in the... Um, animated comics and then they did some comic books in relation to them but um that was never a thing in the in the comic books that was just saturday morning so but it's still marvel franchise anyway so had to get a little geek on there uh and now seth uh this week is your your next your second of 12 5ks for 2016 
Yes, we um, Saturday. So a week from yesterday, um, you know, I hopefully I'll have recovered my breath by the time we record next week. But um, yep, five k this Saturday morning. I will um, go. It's in Fair Park, same place the last one was, and I'm gonna try to beat my time, which I should be able to. I'm still doing my running. I'm up in the forties now, um, and I figured it out. I drove around my drive in my car and just under right under three laps is 0.2 miles so if i go 48 laps around that's like 3.2 miles really a little bit over so that's like my 5k so when i get up to 48 i'm then going to increase the number i run between walking and um, until i can get to where i can do all 48 without walking and then i'll hang out there for a while and work on getting my times down and then maybe by the end of the year i'll be shooting for a 10k awesome stuff so you're essentially doing the couch to 5k um and you just don't not calling it that yeah and i'm not like doing the run all out for two minutes kind of thing i just i i do it my own way i try to run more laps than i did the last time i ran and um and once i got up into the double digits it was really too it was i probably should have stuck with it but it was it was too hard for me to run so i was just like i'll run some and walk some and on the days i'm not feeling it i'm lucky to run two but you know i'm doing three and then the next week i'm going to work up to four and five and you know eventually i'll be at 48 great stuff all right so moving on to the tech news this comes from your friend and mine the door-to-door geek who would like seth to know that tizen 3.0 is now available on a raspberry pi 2 do i mean what can you say greatness finds a way that's all i can say um if it you know greatness survives um if you can't take a spin off of Mego and survive then your company is pretty poopy uh can i get a shout out to holla or so um but yes uh Mego lives on and hopefully it will find a good place on the raspberry pi go tizen yeah and it's sponsored by the samsung open source group and it's called Tizen for Pi. So uh, Tizen, uh, Samsung, you know, tried to make a phone uh, based off of Tizen. Maybe is still, but it hasn't come to the market yet. So they've just they've just dumped it out there on the community. So you can run Tizen on your Raspberry Pi. So that little tablet that you always wanted, Seth, uh, you can have a Pi powered tablet running Tizen. Yeah, I could, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, dude, I've got like five tablets. I don't need another freaking tablet. Uh, Which uh, now shows me that the Jala tablet, Hala, whatever, those people so mismanaged it. If they could literally have piped a, a, a Raspberry Pi in a case and slapped a seven-inch screen on it and sold it to the backers, why, why, why couldn't they have at least done that? Instead of completely going, you know, uh, I started to say something really vulgar there. Instead of completely uh, laying down and just giving up, they could have uh, at least offered you some sort of, not the tablet that they promised you, but at least a tablet. And you could do that now. I know that there are displays, uh, seven-inch displays for a, t- a Pi that are, you know, 40, 50, 60 bucks. So they could give you your tablet for less. They could still make a profit off of the money that you gave on gave them for. Yeah, they they could. But, uh, well, honestly, somebody could. I don't know if they could. So they seem to, um, they seem to, yeah, I can't think of a good way to say it, but they don't seem to be a very good, a very well-ran company. 
Yeah. Because I still want my money back and I ain't, I ain't heard nothing else from them. All right. This next one is kind of cool to me. Epson, who's been in the printing business forever, in the ink business forever, uh, wants to turn your office into a paper recycling facility. Yeah, I thought this was just about the coolest thing because, you know, I mean, I've worked in school districts. Oh, do teachers love to print? And I've worked in law offices. And I mean, you can just, you know, you can just see the side of the building where they shove trees in um, because law, the law profession is a paper intensive profession. So Epson has developed this um, thing that will take, it will like you put your recycle paper in there so you don't have to have this company come pick it up shred it take it recycle it and it does a dry process they say that it requires like a cup of water just for the internal humidity of the thing but it's basically a dry process that they take your paper that you put in and then it goes through this thing and it comes out regular paper on the other side I think, you know, law offices and schools would be huge for this. Um, and think of the money it would save because you're not paying someone to come get your waste and take it to a plant to recycle it. And then they have to turn around and sell that to a company that takes that pulp and sells it, turns it into paper. And then they turn around and sell that to a distributor who then turns around and sells it to a retailer place who then turns around and sells you the paper that you just got rid of. You put all of that in house. And for that one time investment, a large entity, any public school system, any multi-lawyer law firm should have one of these in their offices. Um, yeah, I it, where, where I work, awesome. this would be brilliant. We, uh, you know, we work in the healthcare industry. Pretty much anything you print has to be destroyed. Yeah. Um, and because people are cheap, uh, they still love to print. And so not only do we burn through uh, a box of paper a week, at least just in my little area, um, you know, but we also have this 30-gallon locked uh, trash can that we fill up and then we pay a, a recycler. And that's just on my section, my half of my floor. So right. assuming that the same setup is on the other half of the same floor and on all the other 16 floors of the building, um, one of these that could be purchased by the building, for example, not even by the, the, you know, we rent office space. So the owners of the building could put one of these in the basement offer secure pro uh, document um, deletion and uh, uh, removal destruction, wh whatever you want to call that, um, as a service for just renting it there and then sell you your own paper back and make money. This would be, uh, this would be a no-brainer. If I owned an office building that, that housed any number of offices, I would purchase one of these and offer that service as a value-add to my clients and offer them discounts on paper. So I get paper for free. I run the machine. It costs me... I don't know, three cents a sheet. I sell it back to them at three and a half cents a sheet. I don't have to make money. I just have to to not lose money. And I've offered a value to my my tenants. I would totally do this. Yeah. Dude, I mean, I just it's awesome. This I mean, hey, it will kill the document shredder business. Okay, sorry. You had your run, um, you know, the recycling business, it's just, it's moving it. You know, this is something you can insource, you know, instead of outsourcing everything, you can insource your document destruction. And, you know, um, imagine like a Kinko's or something having this and say, we'll give you, we'll give you um, where you get paid to recycle, to turn in your old paper. And then they turn around and crank that out into paper that they sell. So. 
I just think it's, I think this is an awesome thing. Um, this, um, I found it on the web somewhere, but we've linked to the um, Epson website and you can just turn on and look and read about it. Um, it's supposed to come out. Um, it should already be out. This article is from December, but they, they looked to go into commercial production in Japan in 2016 in January. So last month they should have started in Japan. I just think this would be cool. The next thing that's cool, five-dimensional glass discs that can store data, uh, large chunks of data, for up to, I don't know where they get this number, but up to 13.8 billion years. Uh, so if you need long-term storage, glass seems to be the potential way to go. Yeah, you know, who needs silicon um, or magnetic tape drives or, you know, spinning platters that could fail? Just have glass that uh can last forever um this is really neat you know it it makes long-term data storage i don't know how you would read it but you know you have these little glass wafers and they look so tiny um i just think it's cool it's a we might have you know maybe we're finally getting to the point to where we can get ahead of things on storage rather than trying to play catch up and just let's throw some hard drives at it um you know or throw some flash at it but we'll have it we'll have these spinning little or we have these little glass discs that you uh, that will have it all and you know you have to actively break 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 glass it doesn't really deteriorate the way that like metal will rust or something like that and so if you're wondering how they get five dimensions, so it's a three-dimensional space. So if you've got X, Y, and Z axes, so forward, back, left, right, top, bottom, and then there, there's a spin imparted by the light refracting off of the data. So it can be a left spin or a right spin. So you've got uh, in, out, up, down, left, right, uh, and then right spin, left spin. So uh, a CD right now works in, in very much the same way. There's the, the actual plastic disc. There's nothing there. It's that piece of aluminum behind it that's special. And the aluminum is, is, uh, is cut uh, so that parts of it reflect and parts of it don't. This is super simplified. Stop writing your email right now and telling me how I'm babying it. I'm intentionally babying it. So think of it like you've got a piece of aluminum foil uh, and you scratch off a piece of aluminum. Now you shine light on it. Part of that, the light shines back at you. Part of it, the light goes straight through. And so that's a one or a zero. Digital, by definition, one or zero. So that's two bits of, def of definition. So with the glass, you have the three suspended in space so it can be thick, right? And it doesn't have to be super thick, just enough to have some dimension. Plus, you can spin the light off in one direction or another, and have the receptor read it that way. So it's uh, it's for functionally infinite storage life. And right now, uh, that's a big thing. We don't really have data storage. We have data movage. Every few years, you have to move it. Even right now, the uh, centers, uh, the National Archives still recognize MagTape as the best long-term storage method because CDs that you can burn yourself, the ink bleeds and they fade, and the, the pressed ones, uh, the metal can flake off and de deteriorate if you don't keep the humidity and temperature just right. So they're still recognizing mag tape, which we know de de deteriorates, but it's at a slower rate. So you, you never actually store anything long-term. You just move it from one place to another. This is the first truly long-term storage mechanism we've had since uh, you know carving things into stone tablets. 
Well, I mean, you're basically writing in the sand here, right? So, uh, <laughs> and you're just preserving it. Um, but I, this was a really neat thing. Um, you know, this was just neato news because we haven't done a lot of news lately. So we wanted to throw in a few of these stories. Fun stuff. Um, okay. This one, uh, Amsterdam's getting a little cocky and, and they're, they're inviting hackers. Bring it on. Well, that was, that was my title. Um, but, uh, the city of Amsterdam, they're like getting out ahead of people on this internet of things thing. And I think they might be getting ahead of themselves, but there's basically this little, it's a chip. And if you buy them in large enough quantities, they're a dollar and it's, they're very tiny. They're not really big. Um, but so, and they have, they can go miles, their transmission range can be in miles and uh, a long range wide area network, low raw WAN. Um, so, and it's a way that, you know, you can imagine, for example, a, you're the parking spot telling you, Hey, I'm free now, you know, a garbage can saying, Hey, I'm full, pick me up a basement saying, Hey, I'm flooded. You know, you need to come, you know, turn on the sump pump or something like that. Um, these single little devices on a chip, but I just, I think what's going to happen is they'll put them out there. And the next thing you know, hackers will take them over and yeah, the, the city will be pwned. So Amsterdam for a dollar per device can, is going to allow hackers from anywhere to pwn them regularly. Um, but if just an interesting story, um, founded on the verge and, uh, these little chips that can go miles and now the data rate, you know, you're not going to, you can't stream Netflix through them or anything like that. Um, where was the data rate that it said, um, uh, 50, a data rate between 0.3 K and 50 K. So that's not going to be fast, but it is fast enough to send a message that, you know, this chip, if, you know, if light hits me, the parking space is free. If, uh, you know, if this sensor gets surrounded by water, Hey, I'm, you know, whatever, if the trash can is sitting on a scale, once it reaches a certain weight, Hey, I'm full, you know, for little things that don't require a lot of data, something like that, you know, you could put these everywhere and, um, you could get some really internet of things connection going on. Uh, in a lot of ways, I think the whole internet of things is still, you know, we talked before about how it's out in front of society society. I don't think has a good use for them yet. They're just seeing that, Hey, look at what we can do now. What are we going to do with it? And you know, what some people might do is hack a hospital system and hold their EMR electronic medical record system hostage as happened at Hollywood Presbyterian medical. Yeah. Um, they recently put out that they had to spend, uh, 40 bitcoins, which at the time was roughly $17,000 to the people who hacked them. Um, and the re of course, the reason they did it is because they couldn't get into their data center or their data. And so they were losing patients and patients were being sent to other hospitals. And if a hospital doesn't have any patients coming in, it's not making any money. So then they figured probably, Oh, look, we need to pay them so we can start making money again. But and, you know, it's kind of early. Who knows how the thing got on there? Um, but hopefully, um, hopefully they'll figure it out. And I hopefully it was just something stupid. Like, you know, somebody was looking at porn on the medical, uh, 
entry computer, which isn't even supposed to be connected to the internet, but you all, we all know how that goes. Um, and it was just something stupid like that and not, you know, an active hack. It was just more of a hack of opportunity. And you know, the, the no honor among thieves there, they had no problem taking that money from a hospital. Um, and you know, speaking of no honor among thieves, I, I I have never been one to double check the uh, MD5 hash of a of an ISO I download from uh, a site. I've never done it. I know you're supposed to. Uh, well, Linux Mint is saying if you downloaded something on February 20th, uh, well, just go delete that right now. Yeah, this is um this is from the Linux Mint blog, and um it's a little old now, but um well. Not that old because of the 20th. Yesterday. Um, yeah. But um, so something happened and they haven't said how yet, but hackers modified a Linux Mint ISO and they put a backdoor in it and hacked their website, hacked Linux Mint's website to point to it. Um, so and then they don't they don't really know how it happens but they say you know check the md5 signature and here's what it should be and also it gives you a place to look and if you see a um if you see a certain thing there um uh var slash lab slash man dot cy then it's infected and you need to delete that iso and like reformat your machine um so yeah you know this is one of those things you know, this isn't some fly by night thing. These are, they created the distro and they maintained the distro, but yet something happened and their security got hacked. And so because of that, anybody who accesses them gets hacked. So security matters. It's important. And it's one of those things, oh, this is never going to happen. I can skip this step. Well, when enough people say this will never happen, I can skip this step. It only takes one. So, um, there you go. Security is important, people. And so that ISO is out there now. Um, and they they got it on the, the main Linux Mint website, but it also may be seated in a torrent somewhere as well. So uh, that I, I that, check your MD5 hashes. That, that's all I can say because the un, unless somebody, I mean, they'd have to hack that part of the website too. Um, that's That's scary. It really is. And that's, uh, the danger of having an operating system maintained by, you know, part-time amateurs. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, well, and the thing is, not every, as we all know, every torrent out there is not legitimate. So somebody could create a different Linux Mint torrent mm-hmm. and see this one, and then you think you're getting the real thing um, because, you know, look at our mirror site, you know, jimsmalware.com here in the u.s oh well they're a torrent mirror they must be good you know no nobody hosts evil torrents and then so you you get this out there and who knows security is important yeah i and i i'm i realize that that statement might have been taken as denigrating to them calling them part-time uh amateurs uh this happens at big companies too it's just, um, you know, it just seems to me that there are probably lower uh, thresholds for uh, attack at uh, a community-run site. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I should be taken to task for that. But yeah, it just, if if only we could 
you know, too bad something like this has never happened where Cisco right. or Juniper has encoded a their secret, super secret password uh, and sent it out there for the entire world to see. Well, see, so, that, the difference there is that was a, an intentional choice on the part of the people who made the software. The, these people got, they got man in the middle, plain and simple. Um, and that's, it's it's a new world. It really is. Uh, and to go after Linux Mint, Linux Mint is is probably because we recommend it for this reason it's probably the 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 desktop used the the linux desktop os used by the least technical people in the world um, yeah and and that's why we recommend it it's why i like it but that also makes it as far as desk the linux desktop goes a big target yeah so what happens if you know super computer genius guy downloaded linux mint iso to go put set up grandma's computer and puts her bank account and sets all that up in there. Well, you know, now her bank account can be pwned and these people can collect a social security check every day or every month. So, you know, it's, it's, it's on the one hand, you know, they've got, they've got big brass ones and I can kind of <laughs> tip my hat to them for the audacity of it. But on the other hand, how dare you do that to, you know, Linux Mint, go do that to Microsoft or Apple or something. So, and just a quick aside, just today I was browsing the web, searching for uh, grading terminology used for coffee. Uh, and if you ever, if you've ever tried that, it's it, tea is super weird. There's there's uh, orange pico and and uh, super orange pico, and, and there's but coffee is almost as weird. And so I was just browsing, and the way I often do uh, is I'll do a Google link, and then I'll right click and open a new tab like the first five links and just get them cached in my browser and then I'll go read the first one. So uh, while I was reading one of them, I don't know which one it was, my computer PC in my laptop, the the speaker in my in my laptop started beeping. Um, like not a sound card beep, but like a hardware beep. Um, right. And I thought, well, that's weird. So I went and looked at it and one of the sites that I had gone to was a malicious site uh, and it was popping up a thing saying, warning, your Ubuntu uh, OS with uh, Firefox 44 has been infected. Call 800-whatever, and a Microsoft professional will help you. Uh, and so it was that, you know, that classic thing where that we've talked about before. But they had correctly identified my my OS and my my browser because the browser gives you that information. Um, of course, it's not fully Ubuntu, it's Linux Mint, but it's certainly not anything Microsoft. But some non-technical person browsing snooty coffee terms would hit that, and boom, they've got a, a you know a sucker on the line. So it, was, it just got me just today. So it happens. I didn't yeah. call them. Yeah, that happens on some of the like um, the Bitcoin faucets will generate uh, pop-ups that do that. So, and it's always a pain in the behind. Yeah. And it said, you know, for your safety, closing this browser window has been disabled. Of course, I'm on Linux. I click the X and it closed. But uh, had I been on Windows, it's possible I might not have been able to close that entirely. Right. Okay. The last one that I want to talk about, or maybe, maybe not the last one, uh, but, uh, the Internet of Things has been in, in the news a lot lately. And, uh, Simply Safe Home Security has has you covered with a full, fully interconnected Internet of Things uh, range of home security devices that are completely hacked. Yes, they um, 
what happens is whenever you enter something from the keypad, the keypad transmits its keys in plain text so that anybody can see them and then read a or do what is a replay attack where, you know, if you're packet sniffing wirelessly, you get this information, then you can program your device to do that. And then you can have keypad access to their device. And it's not so much that this happened because, you know, we've gone before, can we do this? And then somebody says yes. And then when the engineer sticks up his hand to say, but these are the five problems, that engineer gets fired and an entry-level engineer gets hired to replace them. So you don't rock the boat. Their email that they sent out oh. is really the thing here that is ridiculously stupid and i would not expect this from a security company you know um so I'm, so let me read it so as seth okay. has just described um this allows you to um act as though you are entering a proper disarm code from a distance well you're not acting as that you are actually entering a disarm code so um you have to be a determined hacker you got to know what you're doing you got to build some special hardware but once you've done this you can simply Park your device outside, you know, a cul-de-sac if it's got a decent range and pick up security code keys. But wait a minute. By build a device, you mean install Linux on a laptop that has a wireless card. That That's what you mean by <laughs> well, build a device. Well, you've got to write some so, software, too. So there's there's some some geekery that has to happen. It, it's probably already in a, a script kit somewhere already. But uh, so the response to this um, is tone deaf and just plain wrong. So let me read that. While any wireless, wireless system is susceptible to this type of attack from a sufficiently savvy and motivated intruder, no, our systems can be backed up with a landline or internet connection for no additional cost. Okay, what? So yeah, you've, just, you've just given it a valid code. What does the fact that it's landline or internet, what does that mean? I've just yeah, given yeah. it a valid code and disarmed the system. And then they, they lied about, I mean, well, if so, it were, yeah, I'm going to keep reading. Yeah, yeah. All right. But I'm just, I'm putting in my <laughs> reaction to here as I go. Also, this type of attack represents such a small percentage of total break-ins that the FBI does not even keep account. This is because the majority of break-ins are quick forced entry and not the sophisticated type of attack that requires diligent planning as well as highly illegal and cost prohibitive equipment. You mean a laptop? Assuming an intruder has the requisite technology, a laptop, he would need to know the frequency ranges he needs to jam, a port scanner, and also know the layout of your home beforehand. What? He would also have to avoid motion detectors, not if he's disabled it, and even in the un that unlikely event that he bypassed a door sensor. So now, Seth, unload on him. Well, you know, okay, first of all, if we go back up there, this... If the thing were hashed, it totally, it makes this attack next to impossible. And I mean, th this is like saying that a, anyway, it's a load of crap. I, I get so infuriated by this tone deaf redirect crap that you would expect from a marketing department, but not from somebody who takes security call, uh, 
seriously. The problem is their controllers are like a one-time programmable thing, so they can't issue an update or a patch or anything. They will have to physically replace the hardware, and that's going to be cost prohibitive for them. They don't want to do it. They want to make it sound like um, it's not a big deal, and they say this is so small that the FBI doesn't keep track of it. I don't know that. Do you know that? I have to trust them, and I've already caught them in like two lies and other nonsense statements in this article. So, again, Internet of Things has the potential to be really awesome, and they're cool and fun to work with and do these neat projects. But if you're going to trust your security to the Internet of Things, why bother? Because, well, if you are, don't use uh, Simply Safe because they're simply stupid. Uh, right. editorial, and, and, yeah, editorial comment, not necessarily a statement of fact. The the their their statement here is talking about the motion sensors and the backed up by the internet is completely ignoring the fact that you gave the deactivation pin. You broadcast broadcasted the deactivation pin in the clear. Once I have that, your motion sensors, your internet backup, none of those mean anything because I walk to the keypad and I type in the deactivation pin. How did I get it? You broadcasted it in the clear from your keypad to your home station. So this is the problem. The if What they're saying is if you don't use our wireless system, then you're safe. That That's essentially the it, this, this hack is so small that nobody keeps track of it. And if you don't use our product, you're safe. Well, thank you. I won't be using your product. Yeah. And if I were using their product, I would not put their sticker in front of my lawn saying, Hey, you know, vulnerable house here. That's what their sticker shows me. So <laughs> congratulations. You have been pwned. Uh, that, that just made me mad. Not that it got hacked. Technology hacks happen, but that they didn't own up to it. And they completely put out a false statement saying that there's a way that you're safe. The only way that you're safe, the only way, and they admit it, the way that you're safe is not using their wireless product. I would think that, and again, this is the uncommon sense that seems to be missing from most of the world today, that a security company would contemplate security of the products they are using to secure your products. One would now, again, that, that one would think that you might think that, but you would be wrong. All right. I think this is a time for us to leave before we get even more riled up because this uh, this literally made me angry at this point as as i'm reading this i'm getting angry uh so i'm gonna say seth uh what do you have this week to lower my productivity so that you seem like a higher value op hiring opportunity okay well this kind of follows up with what we talked about last week uh you know last week we did the windows 3.x um museum well now the uh, malware museum the folks over archive.org have collected examples of malware that used to run wired and terrorize your your mamas and your papas back in the days when the internet was truly wild. Um, so anyway, you can go here and just take a look at the different malware they have and more will come, uh, I'm sure. But just a trip down memory lane to see the kind of hacks. And they say they've, they've taken the malicious part out of these. So you're kind of just seeing, you know, more the the other examples of of how it looks and what it made your computer do. But the actual, you know, it's kind of like you have an artillery shell, but they took like the the detonative 
the the whatever I can't think of that term now. The firing pin. Uh, yeah, they, they they removed the firing pin and the explosives, but this is what the artillery shell looked like. So they've removed the malicious payload, but this is uh these are what this is some examples of early malware. The uh the first virus I ever got was the stoned bee virus. And if you've been around long enough to to be dealing with uh five and a half inch floppy disks, or three and a half inch rather floppy disks, uh then you know what stoned is. And all that stoned did was put something on your hard drive or on your floppy disk that told you you were stoned. And then when you put moved it to another machine, it put it on there and told you that you were stoned. And then you moved and that was it. Um but uh, we've come a long way since then. We are now um, holding hospital systems for ransom. Yep. Um, you know, it's important to keep the good and the bad uh, alive so that we know where we came from. So this is the part of the show where I tell you how you can contact us so that the next time we do a feedback show, we'll actually have some feedback. So go to elementop.com, click the Contact Us button at the top of the page. Uh, that will take you to a form that you can fill out after answering the world's hardest CAPTCHA. Um, that sends a nicely formatted email to my inbox that gets priority in my inbox. You go above all the others, including, you know, love letters and uh, opportunities to give barristers some Dubakti money. Um, sorry. I don't know why I did that. So anyway, elementopi.com, click the contact us button. Or if you're more of an email guy, you can send an email to geekrant at elementopi.com. That goes to all three of us, unless you think I am filtering email. Or you can call 559-IMOP and have your voice appear right here alongside ours uh, on the show. We'll leave us a voicemail and we'll most likely play it on the show. We appreciate your feedback. We thank you for being uh, a listener because, as I've said so many times before, uh, you are the reason that we do this show. Tell us what you want to hear about in the future. Tell us what you don't want to hear about anymore. That's fine. We'll listen both ways. And uh, we'll see you uh, next time. Seth, any final words of wisdom before we say goodnight? Um, always pee downwind. And I don't know how to follow that up. So I'll simply say that ends this episode of The Geek Grant. Mm-hmm.